Welcome back to another episode of the Property Management Show. I'm your host, Marie Tepman from Four and Half Marketing Agency. Since 2012, we have dedicated ourselves to helping property managers get more owner leads through marketing. Whether you need help with a website, SEO, reputation, content marketing, social media, Google ads, you name it, we can help you. Visit fourandhalf.com to learn more. That's F-O-U-R-A-N-D-H-A-L-F.com. Today, we are interviewing the power couple behind Hampton & Hampton Management and Leasing, located in Central Florida. Welcome back on the show, Scott and Kim. Hello, how are you, Marie? Good afternoon. Thank you for having us. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on the show. It's your first time, I believe, on our show. And so to give our... uh, yeah, to give our listeners a bit of context on your background, can you briefly tell us how you got started in property management? You want to go first? You want me to go yeah, first? Go ahead. <laughs> um, I actually, mine is a little bit strange, but I was a school teacher in my previous life, and that's what I went to college for. And one day I decided, you know what, I'm not making enough money. And I actually ended up at a multifamily building, brand new, that they were doing a lease up. And I asked for a job and the district manager was there and they loved me. And that's kind of how I started in this crazy world. It was a move in, sail out. And we were doing a two day cruise to nowhere. I still remember it. But that's kind of how I got started. It was kind of happenstance. It was just, I happened on that property and, um, you know, 30 years later, here we are. You, uh, for myself, uh, <clears throat> I won't say when it was, but it was in Austin, Texas. We would uh, uh, buy and flip properties, rehab them, and have rentals. Uh, moved to uh, Central Florida and uh, ended up working for a large property management company there, doing single family and uh, small multifamily, and uh, and have kind of done it ever since. Yeah, I mean, we've been that actually. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Tell me. Yeah, more. we had offices next to each other. Yeah. Yeah. And we're the only one to know that we were dating. So he would just call me on the phone. Yeah. You know, and I'd be like, okay, I'm leaving at such and such time. <laughs> and so we didn't know if fraternizing was okay. And so we were a little nervous about right. that. They ended up finding out and just thought it was, it was a husband and wife that owned it. And they just thought it was the best thing ever that we were dating each other. So, right. Yeah. So we kept it kind of hush hush, but it was, we both had single family portfolios. And at what point did you decide to branch out and build your own enterprise? Um, they had actually brought in a um, consultant and they were changing us all from independent contractors to employees and they were making all these changes and it was very strange. And so we each went out and started looking for other jobs and um, just ended up at two other places. And but then a couple of years later, we got married. Yeah. So. yeah and decided to start him. Yeah. Our, our, own our own company. Yeah. That's great. And so. You know, given that you've been in the industry for such a long time, both of you, um, you obviously lived through the Great Recession of 2007 to 2009. Um, how did that event affect your business? And can you share more about, um, you know, how it felt and sort of like changes that happened in your business throughout that financial meltdown? Dur- during that time is that it... Um... In the run-up to that time, we were having a lot of investors come on board. <laughs> we took on investors with, and they were all brand new homes. They were all brand new homes. They would buy multiple four or $500,000 homes. And we used to say to each other, how are they qualifying for all this? And how are they getting all this <laughs> yeah, money? Well, you know, obviously the banks were approving everybody for everything. 
And uh, again, we were taking on so many properties that were beautiful homes that were all brand new. And we would go on, we, we knew what they rented for. We were like, there's no way they can make the payment even on these houses. Well, you know, a lot of them would tell you, well, look, uh, you know, everybody was into that game of, oh, I'm going to buy it. It'll go up $100,000 next year. I'm going to sell it and make $100,000. Well, you know, then then the end came. And and how we ended up finding how the end finally really came, there was no real, there was no, there was no uh, fireworks show. There was no notice in the mail. There was no, there was, what there was, was we were getting phone calls at about eight or nine o'clock at night. We'd get these phone calls. It would be tenants hitting the emergency page line. And they would say, the sheriff is here posting a notice of foreclosure on the door. Like, what? And we're like, what? It just wasn't something that we ever dealt with. We had never really. dealt with this. And it was just one after another. We were getting these calls. And it would be in the middle of like 8, 9 o'clock at night. And so we would call the owner and say, what's going on? The, the tenant got a foreclosure notice. And they would be like, oh. I, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't really even know what you're talking about. Or in, in, which we all ended up were a little naive at first because we never had experience no one had really been through anything like that you know believing your client wouldn't lie to you that they were making the payment um and know uh, and and then obviously the realization started coming home when uh, obviously the foreclosures actually started to go through and owners started to admit that they hadn't made the payment in months and they were just collecting the rent and uh and so suddenly we 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 were having you know at least a hundred properties a it was it was at least a hundred properties a year if not more we're getting foreclosed on. How um, big was your portfolio back then? Oh my gosh, I don't know, probably four or five hundred, maybe. Yeah. So it was it was scary. You know, you're you're wondering to yourself, oh my gosh, are we still going to have a business? I mean, we got into the to one of our checklists is see if the owner's in foreclosure before he takes them on. Yeah. You know, wasn't something we ever had to do, do. before. Uh-huh. You know, so it was something we had to had to change. But it, it got crazy to the point, and people are saying it got so crazy to the point. Right before, what they would do is they'd stop paying the homeowners associations too. So then, what happened was some of the homeowners association, because they were desperate for money, because they had so many foreclosures, they would stop the tenants at the gate and not let them through. And the tenants were calling saying they won't let me through until you pay the dues. Oh wow! Which they're really not which, allowed. Which to. they're really not allowed to do, but they were doing to try to get the money because they were desperate for money because the owner wasn't paying them either. And so that ended up being another whole mess of that we had to learn, and we would. We would have had a thing called a foreclosure disclosure. Uh, <laughs> we did. We had an attorney write up a foreclosure disclosure. And what happened was some of the times the tenants would be scared and they would leave. Well, you know, that foreclosure at that time, then the banks got overwhelmed. That foreclosure could go, we've seen them go up to four years that they didn't foreclose, that it just sat there. So what was happening was owners then would kind of want to rent them out or the HOAs, what would happen? The HOAs would foreclose on the house themselves and, and they, they would, they would haul us and hire us to manage a, a house in foreclosure that they foreclosed on to wow. get their, to get their money, to get the rent money, to get the rent money, money for the dues. And so our attorneys wrote up a foreclosure disclosure. So when we would show it to people, we'd say, look, the house is in foreclosure. We just want to let you know they can foreclose at any time, but we're going to rent it to you for $500 a month, less than market. And people were like, and people were like, okay. And they were just, they were like, okay, great. It is the craziest time. Yeah. And then the other thing that they, we would do is we were hired then by banks. We were hired by a lot of banks and we would do things called cash for keys. So the banks would hire us and say, go to this house and see who lives there. Cause they don't even know who lives in the house at that point. And we would figure out, is it the owner? It's a tenant. And 
I'll never forget the one that I had in, in uh, actually in Melbourne. Um, I went there and the locksmith, we went to go in and the Christmas tree was blinking and the dog was standing there wagging his tail. Right. And we're like, and he's like, what do you want to do? And I said, we'll back out. And then, so we ended up finding out with that one, it was the son-in-law of the owner who had died of cancer from years before. He knew she was in foreclosure and he moved into the house and had been living in the house for free. For two years. For two years. Oh, we had many like. Oh, the stories just go on and on. And so we ended up, uh, the funniest part about the story is that he had two little girls. They're cute little girls. They're about seven and nine, little curly hair, you know, girls. And then so we ended up, he, we paid him $4,400, so the bank did, to give him the key, give, give me the keys. I'll give you a $4,400 check at the end of the driveway. Come down to the get, get out of the house and get your stuff out. And you walk to the end of the driveway and I'm going to give you a check. Like this. Can, you me the can you give me the key? And well, you know. And the little girl turns around and she says, we'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at all. I know. I said, she did not say yeah. that. Yeah, yeah she, she did say that. that. <laughs> oh, my God. You can't, you can't dream this up. We always swear we're going to write a book, but we haven't done it yet. Yeah. You definitely should. It's, it's definitely crazy. And yeah. so, you know, like, were there any difficult decisions you had you had to make within the business during that crazy, crazy time? You had to let people go. Any big changes? Counseling. No, no just no. kidding. <laughs> I would be surprised. So no, oh, there really wasn't. It was really just kind of scrambling around trying to figure out each situation as as it came down. Uh, we obviously naivete kind of fell off. Uh, you know, melted away very quickly. Uh, that 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 you know maybe all investors owners are not really your friend and are really that you know honest with you. Yeah. Uh, I think for for us, that was the first realization of that, where we normally it was a very easy owner and the owner was on your side and, and they weren't adversarial with you and they really wanted to work with you. It kind of became every every owner for themselves and, and they threw everybody under the bus, you know what I mean? Us included. So, I mean, we didn't really let anybody go. Where it, it really kind of went along for us there was when we then very quickly thereafter started receiving these calls from these California companies saying they wanted to meet with us. And I said, really? And so they said they want to meet with You're kind of like, oh, you just keep an eye on them. Yeah, not sure. Yeah. And they, so they came in and they said, look, we're going to buy all these foreclosed houses and we want to hire you to get them fixed up for us and manage. We're like, sure. we're like, sure. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, at this point, I don't know in California, obviously, I don't know about you, but we went here in, in the Orlando market, Tampa market, when you drive through new subdivisions, I'm not kidding you, it was very, it was kind of scary because there were so many vacant houses and, and they would have, were dilapidated and green pools and lawns unkept and newspapers stacked up on the driveway. And you would drive through, it would get around dusk, it would get kind of creepy, actually. It would get a little creepy out there, you know, because you're running around wondering, is he really in the house over there? And and, you know, it was dark. Yeah, you're getting ready to go in because you have no idea who's there. So it was yeah. it was kind of a creepy time. <laughs> it was kind of weird, especially there were so many vacant houses. It was kind of like a zombie kind of movie, you know, where you see all the vacant, you know, the grass growing up. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like that. Uh, and you'd see cars in the driveway. You don't know. Or is someone there? Is that the neighbor just parking there because he can park there? Who is that? Is someone in the house? You know, so. It's all these subdivisions just kind of went under. It all so, just went under. Yeah. So these guys came in and said they're going to buy all these properties. So we, we got on board with them and uh, 
And so they they did, and we did all kinds of crazy wheeling and dealing deals with these guys. Um, they people in the houses. Yeah, with all kinds of cash for keys. They were doing. They were buying foreclosures. I mean, we were doing all kinds of crazy things with them uh, to to start buying the houses. And so uh, that first group, and I won't say the word that came through, they bought about four hundred. Um, we're getting like twenty a week. Yeah, so they it were, was crazy. Yeah. And we had to do all the rehab and rent them, yeah, manage everything. Yeah, all the way through, we went public with them. They actually went in to be, they're a public company current. Mm -hmm. They're a large public company. And so, you're not going to share the name. It's fine. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we did several others thereafter. Then suddenly it obviously uh, kind of, that was kind of a turning point for us to say, you know, this is our next, as the owners kind of, I don't want to, I, I, I call them the onesie twosie owners, or, or sometimes we call them retail owners, meaning you got with one house, one property, one duplex, one property. It kind of started to shift. It shifted it into an institutional world where that's when they stepped in and started buying these houses in mass. And, you know, uh, we obviously jumped on that train and grabbed that ring when it went by and um, and held on tight. It's been, uh, it's been very good to us. And Probably the biggest change for us, too, has been um, technology. When the hedge funds got into all this and buying all these, I feel like in property management, it ramped up so fast yeah. because I came from multifamily over single family, and we really didn't have a lot of great technology. Really, back in that 09 is really when things started to change slowly. So they're like, oh, wow, that's a cool system to put in place. Let's try that. And as you know, we're, we're always all for trying new things, so... Always kind of the guinea pigs with stuff. We yeah. love technology. Yeah. And and so I'm curious to know from your team's perspective. So you yourself, Kim, you were the business owner. And when initially all these foreclosures started like uh, pouring in, you were worried like, are we going to have a business? So how did you handle the team aspect, right? Team morale must have been really down. I don't think so. We, no. We've always had a really good core group. We have a lot of people... That stay with us. Uh, we just celebrated our operations manager. She's been with us for 19 years. Oh, and so she was with us during all of this craziness. She's been here with us during hurricanes. Like she has been there, done that. And some people have been 10 years, eight years. Like these people have all been with us. And really, it was just maybe four or five of us during that time. And Scott and I worked in the business then, mm -hmm. not so much over over top and on the business. So we really were a part of that. And I think that's what really helped push us through. We were all there as, as a team and we really were. And I think that kind of pushed us past that. And then that's when we really started to grow. I mean, we had to. Yeah. And we were kind of forced to, to do that because of all um, the institutionals and 20 a week. And you're just like, okay, we got to turn this into a machine. And that's what we did. That's really, I think, was a big turning point in our company in 09. Yeah. 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 Well, it was. Yeah. And so if you knew then what you know now, would you have done anything differently? Probably would have, you know, we, I think looking back, we would have focused more on even developing that institutional, in reference to when I say institutional, institutional connections and institutional, their demands are so much different than an individual owner, meaning reporting is very heavy, you know, days on market, turn times, lease up times. I mean, very much, very heavily into the reporting, which the normal single family manager was not. No. They just kind of went along month to month. We're a mom and pop and just kind of went along, along, along and, you know, probably would have been able to to develop that. I think even try to develop that yeah. quicker and get more ahead of that. 
we obviously, and we still have an, an institutional client in right now. We have a large one. Um, four that years. We, that we have four years. Yeah. Um, and we support them in Orlando, Tampa, and St. Petersburg. So, you know, it's, you know, I think, uh, and that has carried us through quite honestly. We've had several others during that time too. So, you know, it's, it's been a, it's been a good ride. Uh, I don't know where that's going to go as you asked about interest rate, where that's going to go. But I do know that a lot of the institutional clients that we deal with have stopped buying properties. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, knowing that that is affected by all the conversations and news about like, we're at the cusp of a new recession and VC money's drying up. And it's kind of like you have all these layoffs for the big tech companies. And so it's almost like so many red flags are showing up, um, knowing all that. How do you feel about the economic situation right now uh, from the point of view of being a business owner? And is there anything that scares you? Um, I don't know at this point in our life that it scares us. Um, we're kind of like, you know, our, our NARFM friends that we've kind of grown up with. Um, we're all grown up now. And a lot of us have basically got into other things. And we're not so heavily um, counting on those management fees, which we feel at one point in time will probably go away. So we really have instituted so many other things. We also own a lot of real estate. As I told you this morning, we just closed on our, our next building. Um, so we have that, we have multifamily, we have commercial. Um, we also have a sales brokerage where I just work only with investors. And then we also now have our short-term company called the Florida Nest. And so that deals with like Airbnb and Verbo. So we're pretty well-rounded. We kind of own the real estate life cycle now. and. I think that is probably the smartest thing to do. So you're not just so heavily just on property management or just on this, um, you know, and we've saved lots of money. So it can be good. <laughs> Definitely. And that's really um, insightful what you shared. Um, not only are you kind of, you own the entire real estate um, life cycle, you're also very diversified. So for example, I know that, you know, some years back when Airbnb blew up, there were people who were like, oh, that's all I'm going to do. It's better than long-term. And then now it's, and then pandemic happened, no one's traveling. And so it's kind of like, if all your eggs were in that basket, you would have been scrambling. Like you better have a big nest egg to kind of yeah. like see things through. But um, what you're saying is, whereas before, when the, the, when the financial meltdown happened, you were kind of reliant on like the management fees. Whereas yeah. now, if one kind of spoke in the wheel kind of gets cut off, you're not going to sink the ship because you have all these other, you have your foot in all these other, you know, aspects of the industry. That's really smart. And you've got to, you've got to have the, you know, the legs on the table. You got to have all of them there to support it. And that's what we've almost always done um, to, to do those types of things. So we're not kind of stuck there going, oh God, what are we going to do now? Now, probably that financial crisis really probably set us straight to go, okay, we, we got to change some things up. And we were probably one of the first management companies to change people into employees from independent contractors. Oh, was it scary? Oh my gosh, it was. We lost a couple key people, um, but we kept going. And um, it was one of the best decisions I think that we made, really. And now you see a lot of people doing it. But like I said, we're always like that guinea pig and we're always willing to try something new. Uh, for the sake of trying it, if we think it's going to be something that makes us better. What prompted that um, that change that you wanted to switch from independent contractors to full-on employees? Um, well, one thing was 
our operations manager would come and say, you know what, we have people moving in and it's, um, you know, three o'clock and the managers, they are long gone. They're independent contractors. They just leave that up for your, you know, your staff and your admin staff and all that. And you're like, what? No, no, no. They need to be here to move these people in. And I, you can't really tell them what to do. Can't tell them to come to the office. I can't tell them to do this. And it just got worse and worse. And then Scott and I have always been the ones to build our business. And I know we're the owners, but we are always the one that has brought in almost every single account. I will probably say to this day, it's probably 95% built by us. And I don't mind doing that. I love doing that. But when you just keep handing people, feeding them like a bird, just keep feeding them, feeding they're going to take that. They're going to take, 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 take. And you know, all of our managers make six figures, all of them. But most of that's because we've given it to them. Not that they don't work hard. It's not my point. They work their butts off. But we have given them basically everything. They haven't had to go out and farm and, you know, network and do all these things like we have done. And that was a big turning point for us. We're like, we, we can no longer afford to do this, really. So we needed to set some parameters. We pay them very well. They still make a lot of money. They don't make as much money as they would if they were, you know, an independent contractor. But then they also would have to get their own business. So it was it was a big point for us. And it was a very hard decision, but we knew we had to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so was that the start of the shift from both of you working in the business and now being able to, you know, go a couple steps higher and work like on the business? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Big, yes, big adjustment there. And I even used to do the bookkeeping and I used to do these different things. And I was like, hey, you know, you're just working yourself to death. And really, it, all of that kind of transition around that time. And it just was a big shift in that like 09, I think. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah around that time. It like forced you to grow up and it forced yes. you to rethink how you're doing business. Yeah, because you know, you get stuck in, in your own, your own self and you don't sometimes look with blinders on and we've always been people to, to really think outside the box and do whatever we want to do. I always say, I don't have to do it the way everyone else does. And I think that that is a big start of us really just making changes and doing all kinds of different things and kind of a trendsetter maybe at that time. It's really wonderful. And so you mentioned earlier that you know, you used to kind of trust prospective owners more and then 09 happened and you were like, oh, I thought we were on the same page. I thought we were partners, but I guess like we can't trust them as fully as we thought. So have you essentially changed the way you vet your owner prospects even to this day? Or um, it, it's kind of back to what it used to be because the market doesn't demand a more stringent selection process. Well, I think that it's been tough on all the management companies. I think, especially the ones in the markets where, and uh, the hedge fund people call it the sand states, meaning like Phoenix, Vegas, Dallas, Orlando, Tampa, Charlotte, Atlanta. I mean, I'm hitting all the the highway. I mean, when you talk to somebody, uh, we were at a conference. I was in San Antonio, San Antonio, and they're they're in uh, they were in Seattle or something, and they were like, oh, you know, they don't have any hedge funds, so they got like 1,700 properties. I said, well come on down to Atlanta or come on down to Orlando and see what it's like to really compete. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, and so. It's uh, a little different for them to Ohio or somewhere yeah. else. I mean, like we are in, you know, there's a lot of property managers in these markets and it's sometimes a dog, doggy dog. You've got to differentiate yourself and be one up and be better. 
and sometimes that can be very difficult. Yeah, and, and I think over the last couple of years, it's been really tough for the, uh, the the management companies because obviously so many owners were selling because the prices went up so much and they weren't obviously be able to replace what got sold. So that that's I know has been a tough for, for everybody. Um, and and so, you know, as you said, start to look at other avenues of business, uh, be it short term, be it working with institutional people, being at work with um invest buying your own investment your own investment properties and doing what you do best uh, obviously so you know i think um it, it's been tough on on all the managers uh and, and had to kind of almost like recreate yourself but these owners too you really still have to vet them yeah and i think because of what happened in these last 10 to 15 years changed people and of course over the last couple of years with covid um, people are uh, somewhat reluctant to to sign or agree or are you real? Are you okay? You know, and so for us, we're kind of the same way on the opposite end of it. Um, you know, do they do this? Have they been to four other management companies? Like why? You know, and you know, do they own their home and how long have they owned it? What do they do? Like you really got to ask CIA, you know, you got to dig in there and find out everything. So we are probably a little more stringent than we were before. And not every owner is a good owner, for sure. And so we don't take everybody. And maybe in our younger days, we're like, oh, yes, you got a new account. You know, it's the greatest. And they're probably going to be the worst owner in the world. And you never should have taken them. But again, it was a different time, a different world. Um, now you do have to be extremely careful in what you do. So do you uh, do you uh, find yourselves firing owners uh, nowadays or... Oh, you still do. Yeah. yeah. We call it self-manage. That the, the <laughs> owner needs, that we recommend you self-manage. I love that. <laughs> yeah, we don't want you to think fire. We call it self-manage. We think self-management is probably a better option. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Because I always I always think, like, how, what if they badmouth you? What if they go online and, like, you know, like, make up stories about, like, oh, they fired me because they couldn't handle my property. But I love how it's so empowering. Like, Oh, we yeah. recommend you self-manage. We think you can do it, you know? Yeah. How about yeah. it takes to self-manage? a different twist on it. Uh, so we, we do that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it makes the hit a little softer. Yeah, and, you know, it's good that you're protective of your portfolio in terms of the fit, right? Because, you know, at four and a half, we always talk about, like, you have to figure out who your ideal client is because if you're just looking at the numbers, like the doors you manage, like, you know, a, um, an owner might be taking up most of your team's time and you don't even know about it. And like, no one wants to go to work because they have to deal with that owner versus if you just let go of them, you'll get more productivity out of your team and then probably more profitable because they're not sucking yeah, you dry. It's kind of that, the old 80-20 rule, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't even think it's 20%. I would say probably 5% really are the the problems. You know I mean? They give you the worst time or call you 50 times a day or, you know, and the managers will let us know that. And we, we actually have teams that work on things. We have tenant coordinators, we have accounting, we have managers. So they all work together. So obviously we will know these things. They will shine the light on it and let us know. We need to have them self-manage. That's, that's really <laughs> wonderful. And so, you know, speaking of, you know, Moving forward, um, how much growth are we expecting in the next couple of years? I know that you have a lot of things that you're excited about, you're, that you have in the uh, your back burner or you're currently working on, but 
you know, given that you know, the economy is not as bright and you know easy as it was maybe several years ago, you know, how like has that affected your um the way you're viewing the kind of growth you can achieve in the next couple of years. I don't, I don't think that there are. I see it as a big opportunity. Yeah. I mean, it, you'll have several different things to look at. I think it will give us an opportunity to also tighten up, make sure that our expenses are in order. We've actually already been working on that. We're, we're always kind of ahead now instead mm -hmm. of getting caught behind like we did during that foreclosure time. Um, so now we, we already kind of prepare for that and, we don't have a lot of, we own a lot of our stuff. We don't have a lot of expenses. And so we've done that over time. It's not something we can do, you know, the click of your fingers there, but we're always very careful on that. But at the flip side of that, it does provide opportunities. And obviously we work with investors. And so now they'll be able to buy more things other than what they could. So it's interesting to look at it both ways. Yeah. yeah. The opportunity. Yeah. yeah you positioned because you positioned yourself yeah. for this, right? Like, like you said, you can't do it with a snap of a finger. So over the years, you started acquiring, you know, the the buildings, the commercial buildings that you have offices in. So obviously, not everyone can do that, but uh, very smart of you to kind of plan ahead. Um, and now you're talking about this new office that you closed in St. Pete that is going to be a multi-use thing, which is going to be your office, but also you're going to rent out, you know, the a co-working space. Which I love. And to me, it goes with the with the time and and again too we we actually have a backup plan to that <laughs> and so this is this building is almost five thousand square feet and obviously we don't need all of that and my sales agents are everywhere they don't stay in the office so if we needed to it actually can be for offices oh so if we needed to do that but i think obviously the co-working is is here it's now and we'll do quite well and so we we think that that's the avenue it's taking and we'll do we'll do well with it. Well, I'm so excited to see, you know, what you have planned next. Thank you so much for sharing your stories and your insights to our audience today. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. It's good to see you. Yeah. All right. Thank Take you. Care. And that's all we have for this episode of the Property Management Show brought to you by Four and Half Marketing Agency. Since 2012, we have been helping property managers Get more owner leads through marketing from websites, SEO, content, online reputation, paid ads, you name it. Visit fourandhalf.com to learn more. That's F-O-U-R-A-N-D-H-A-L-F.com. And as usual, if you have comments, questions, or suggestions on future topics, feel free to email marketing at fourandhalf.com. And if you're enjoying the show, consider leaving us a rating or review on the listening app of your choice. Thanks and see you next time.